It's a Monday. It's a morning. And it is macabre. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Monday Morning Macabre with Scones and Darcy. I am Darcy. I'm Scones. And we're bringing it to you. We're bringing it to you live. And by live, I mean on radio on demand. If you haven't heard the show before, Scones and I bring a... One of us will bring a, a spooky thing and say words to the other person. And the other person will go, wow. Gee willikers, that's spooky. Now, I should I should preface this episode by letting you all know that we were making some bonus 10 earlier today, <laughs> and uh, it involved eating spicy foods because we're very original when we create video content, and we are not copying anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> we we really put our bodies on the line. Yeah, we 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 really uh we really did it. <laughs> and we are reeling from the effects of the hot sauce. So that was just a few hours ago. So we are uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it. I think we're the milk the milk too might have got me. Yeah, scones drank a lot of milk to get through that, and some glizzy buns were consumed as well. And our bodies are truly not feeling great. So no. we're, we'll we'll we're gonna get through it. But uh, you know, every rose has its thorn. Scones, you know. Preach, dude. Yes, queen. Kiss from a rose, dude. That's what I'm saying. Have you doctor. ever seen the lyrics to that song? Isn't wasn't he like I'm never gonna tell anybody the lyrics? Didn't Seal like come out and be like He was like, I'm not gonna tell you what they mean. Cause they make no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've kept this a secret for like twenty five years. I'm not gonna start talking about it now or whatever. Anyway, we got a great show for you tonight. <laughs> I just wanna be a late night host. Yeah, we got a great show for you tonight. We got uh, a great got, show tonight. We got Monte Cristo. Ayo. We got Jack Wagon. Jack Wagon's gonna be on. Yeah, Jack Wagon's actually going to be the musical guest. So you guys are gonna really like that. And ultimately, Old Darce is gonna be bringing you the. Uh, the, that spooky, <laughs> spooky news. And and what do what do I have to say? G Willikers, is that scary? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. If we can get a clean cut of that, G Willikers, that's scary. All right, I'm gonna add some reverb to that, and it's going to be nice. Uh, and we're gonna throw it in randomly throughout this episode. <laughs> and tonight's scones. You know, I was thinking about our past episodes, and I said, you know what episode was a fun, fun ep? What ep was fun? Let me tell you, goddammit, the episode where we discussed horror movies that had horrific consequences during filming. Oh, yeah, G. Willikers. That was scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I kind of took that, and I said, okay, what if we, what if we, Took it, a, took it a step back in the process and found the inspiration for some of the most classic horror movies. Ooh! And did a little, did a little digging into into what what's really causing the creeps, as as they say all the time. Who's causing these creeps, dude? We're gonna find out who's making these creepies get caused today. Today, Monday morning, wake up. <laughs> on your Michael Mack and McCarr. Instrument wielding men, would you do us the honor, the our privilege to introduce to you all the band? Why don't they play us in? Play them in? 
Skeet skirt. All right, scones. We we like horror movies. We like horror stuff. We do. You know? And there just happens to be a few different horror uh, horror films that have been inspired by real life events that I want to talk about. I think during the horror movie episode, we might have touched on one of them, which is what I will start with. Touch on it. Uh, <laughs> oh, baby. Which is the first one. So in 1988, there's an article from the LA Times in 1988, April 24th, 1988 titled death of asians in sleep still a mystery now what a I wild we, headline <laughs> yeah i think we've touched we touched upon this briefly in past episodes but here's the full scoop washington almost a decade after the syndrome was first reported doctors still do not know the causes of a rare affliction that kills young male southeast asian refugees as they sleep which is just a wild start <laughs> already. Wait. Insane first <laughs> paragraph. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it it so doesn't this is, add up. This is in America. This is this is a a report from the L.A. Times regarding. It's not happening in America, but it's a report from America. It's happening oh, in Southeast Asia. Okay. So in 1981, the Centers for Disease Control began tracking a mysterious rash of sudden, unexplained nocturnal deaths occurring in apparently healthy male immigrants from Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. The problem, unknown in other ethnic groups, has now claimed more than 104 men averaging 33 years of age and one woman, according to Dr. G.I.B.? Is that Gib or Jib? Jib? It's like Gif or Jif. Um, Yeah, exactly. We have to find out what it stands for. G stands for graphics, so I'd go Gib. Well, I go Jif, so it's Jib. Jib Parish. (laughs) A CDC medical epidemiologist. Also, I guess it is in America because they say refugees. I should, I like said no. And then immediately the next sentence was like refugees. Okay. Uh, So 98% of the deaths occurred between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. 26 deaths in peak year. Is this going to be like the CIA is just killing these people? (laughs) They were just like, yo, what would be crazy if at one in the morning we just chose a random Southeast Asian male? I mean, if you revealed to me that it was like the government or like the CIA, like offing people (laughs) that may or may not possibly have come from a communist country, I'd be like, yeah, that that's a that's a fair point. That does track. But uh, I think there's some interesting things to come up later that will not really make that will 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 uh, make that idea. What is the word I'm looking for? Make that idea bad. Make that bad, though. <laughs> so, in 1981, the peak year of these deaths, 26 men, often among refugees from the highlands of northern Laos, died in their sleep. Usually, victims were simply found dead, but when medics arrived quickly, the men's hearts were fibrillating or contracting wildly, a symptom Parrish said may result from numerous possible causes. Dr. Ronald Munger, an epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota, said that the epidemic of unexplained deaths of the refugees has declined sharply in the United States as Southeast Asian immigration has declined, but that the problem is still common in refugee camps in Thailand. Many theories have been proposed as to the cause of these deaths, including genetic, anatomical, and physiological factors. Many suspect also poor diet. Now, Munger, 
noting that the death rates subside the longer the refugees are in the United States, said his hypothesis that the deaths are the legacy of poor diet in refugee camps or Asian homelands. This June, he will present at a conference results of studies he has done on sudden deaths in Thai refugee camps. So, that's like there was this wide sweeping weird sleep death happening in Southeast Asian males, right? Now, there was an interview done with Wes Craven. Ooh, Wesy boy. Oh, Westerly Craves. Crave me up some yums. Um, <clears throat> who? Uh, he. Craven Wes Craven. Yums. <laughs> so Wes Craven sees this article and he's like, I got to make some money, baby. <laughs> By God, I need to create. So here's a quote from Wes Craven after he reads these newspaper articles. And this is about the creation of A Nightmare on Elm Street. He goes to say, The third was the son of a physician. He was about 21. I've subsequently found out this is a phenomenon in Laos, Cambodia. Everybody in his family said almost exactly these lines. You must sleep, he said. No, you don't understand. I've had nightmares before. This is different. He was given sleeping pills and then told to take them and supposedly did, but he stayed up. I forget what the total days he stayed up was, but it was a phenomenal amount, something like six or seven days. Finally, he was watching television with the family, fell asleep on the couch, and everybody said, thank God. They literally carried him upstairs to bed. He was completely exhausted. Everybody went to bed thinking it was all over. In the middle of the night, however, they heard screams and crashing. They ran into the room, and by the time they got to him, he was dead. They had an autopsy performed, and there was no heart attack. He had just died for no explained reason. They found in his closet a Mr. Coffee Maker full of hot coffee that he had used to keep awake, and they also found all the sleeping pills that they thought he had taken. He had spit them back out and hidden them. It struck me as such an incredibly dramatic story that I was intrigued by it for a year, at least, before I finally thought I should write something about this kind of situation. So, Freddy Krueger might just be real. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, like Freddy Krueger's hanging out in the hills of northern Laos. He likes that Cambodian fashion. Mostly striped sweaters. Yeah. Cambodia's big on striped sweaters. It's huge. But it's just, it's pretty insane. Just the story itself. Yeah. And then it's super interesting to know that, like, that is the, that, that explains a lot. And it's, like, pretty much. Gee Willikers, that's scary. (laughs) But, like, that's, like. (laughs) But Gee Willikers, that is scary. (laughs) But just the idea of, like, being. Like, I can't go to sleep or I'm going to die is... Yeah. Sounds like one of the worst feelings <laughs> Oh, definitely awful. The fact that he's just like, you guys aren't listening. Like, the kid literally said, no, you don't understand. I've had nightmares before. This is different. That's terrifying. Yeah. Nightmares hitting different. <laughs> nightmares be hitting different on Elm Street. So, up next, we have a story of Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll. Yes, which many point to as the inspiration for Child's Play. Child's Play. Old old Chucky, the little doll that, that murders people. So, here's the story of Robert the Doll. It dates back to the early 1900s when a young boy named Eugene Robert Otto was given a one-of-a-kind handmade doll by a servant that worked for his parents in his home. Eugene, who everyone called Gene, 
named the doll Robert, and quickly became attached to his new friend. The home where Eugene lived, now called the Artist House, the Artist's House, is located at 534 Eaton Street and was built between 1890 and 1898 in Key West. It was here that Eugene was given Robert the doll and where a friendship that lasted throughout his lifetime and beyond was forged. Whoa. Ooh, spooky. It's like, I feel like Key West is not a spooky place. Key West is literally a pirate city that is still (laughs) a pirate city in modern day. I have been there many times. There's just chickens running around the streets. That's awesome. There's literally pirates everywhere. It's an insane place to to be. It's nuts. I was there when Katrina first hit in 2005. Uh, I was catching some rays. I was on the set of uh, Matrix Trinity. I can't believe that filmed in Key West. The movie's so dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Now, there are a lot of green screens were used, but it was literally Key West. What was the third movie called? Is it? It was Reloaded. Revolu- Revol- I don't know. Oh, whatever. Who cares? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what I am I rambling about? the energy to look it up. <laughs> anyway, yeah. This is... You guys are going to get a real low energy episode. Um, While he seemed like an ordinary cloth doll... It wasn't long before Robert was involved in strange and somewhat terrifying events. The first hint that something out of the ordinary was happening was one night when Jean, who was only 10 years old, awoke to find Robert the doll sitting at the end of his bed staring at him. Moments later, his mother was awakened by his screams for help and the sounds of furniture being overturned in her son's bedroom. Jean cried for help, begging his mother to rescue him. When she finally was able to wrench the locked door open, she saw poor Jean curled up in fear in his bed, his room in shambles, and Robert the doll sitting at the foot of the bed. Robert did it were the only words Jean could get out. Oh, man. Also, what kind of creep names his doll Robert? That's a good point. It's way too, like, normal of a name for a doll. Yeah, it's very, like, formal and, like... It's not, like, fluffy or, you know... Or, like, Bobby, at least, like... Yeah, it's like, this is my doll, Theodore. (laughs) Fuck, that thing is haunted as fuck, dude. So, Robert did it were the only words jeans could get... Jean... Jeans. (laughs) Jeans. 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 Robert did it were the only words Jean could get out. The same words he would later use many times throughout his childhood when something strange, mysterious, or destructive would happen. So, that kind of points to maybe Gene's just kind of an a-hole and he's, like, blaming it on the doll, right? Yeah. He's using However, it as, like, a crutch. Right. However, there's some interesting some, some interesting events happen. Uh-oh. So, did Robert do it? Nobody knows for sure how, why or how this child's plaything could actually wreak havoc on a child's bedroom or do anything at all. After all, it was just a toy, right? Yes. But the weird... <laughs> okay, case closed. Next up, we have... <laughs> <laughs> but the weird and inexplicable didn't stop at that one occurrence. Jean's parents would often hear their son upstairs talking to the doll and getting a response back in a totally different voice. They reported seeing the doll speak and witnessing his expressions change. So now the parents are saying, yo, we've seen this thing make faces and speak. Gee willikers, that's scary. <laughs> so either it's a real... Uh, GWTS, a G Willikers, or it is everyone is in on it, and that seems like a lot of a whole families, bunch no of reason. crazy people. Yeah, just crackpots. I mean, it isn't a pirate city, so true. That's a good point. Giggling and sightings of Robert running up the steps or staring out the upstairs window were also reported, which would be terrifying. 
Robert continued to live with Gene throughout his lifetime, and after Gene's parents died, he moved back into their home with his wife, Anne. If you're Anne, you're like, Gene, get rid of the doll you gave a adult human name. It's fucking creepy. Yeah, Anne, you gotta, Anne you gotta see the red really flags when they happen. That is such a red flag. If anyone is dating someone with a doll named Robert, <laughs> big red flag. Especially, like, a man. If you're dating a man, get out. Get out of here. Get out of here. So, Gene decided that the doll needed a room of his own and placed him in the upstairs room that had a window overlooking the street. Anne felt uneasy with Robert in the house, and although she couldn't put her finger on it, she wanted Gene to lock the doll up in the attic where he could do no harm. Gene conceded, and as one could imagine, Robert the doll was not happy with his new digs. Soon, visitors to the home heard footsteps in the attic. Yeah. The sound of something... Yeah, creepy. The sound of someone pacing back and forth and devilish giggling. It sounds like he does like his new gigs. His new digs. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's having a good time up there. He's like, look at all the space I got to walk around and do my yoga and calisthenics. Just walking around and giggling. Neighboring children reported seeing Robert watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom and told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. <laughs> when Gene, which is, it's the doll hilarious. is just leaning out the window like nice backpack, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> um, it's interesting at this point because like okay, you have a bunch of random people now also saying they see these things, and it's like why they have no like skin in the game like they have nothing to gain from it so like yeah that's eerie so when gene heard this he immediately went to investigate knowing that he had locked robert in the attic and there was no way he could be sitting by the window of the upstairs bedroom to his complete shock when he opened the door to the bedroom there was robert sitting in the rocking chair by the window gene locked robert back up in the attic several times each time discovering him again sitting by the window in the same upstairs bedroom so, now we're going to cut ahead a little bit. Gene Otto died in 1974, and when a new owner moved into the house on Eaton Street, their 10-year-old daughter was delighted to find Robert the doll in the attic. This is like the end of the movie where, like, you think the dolls, like, finally, you know, yeah. they, they, they banish the spirit or whatever, and then this, like, new family moves in, and a little girl, like, walks up, and she's like, oh, I'm going to name him Robert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, she was delighted to find Robert in the attic, but her delight ended soon when she claimed that Robert was alive and that the doll wanted to hurt her. She awoke often in the middle of the night screaming in fear and told her parents that Robert had moved about in the room. Now, it wasn't long before Robert the doll was given away, and today he lives in the East Martello Fort where visitors all from all over the world come to see him. So he is still in Key West to this day. <laughs> so if you guys want to go check, if you guys want to see Bobby B the doll, go uh, head on down to Pirate Cove, aka Key West, Florida, and you can, you too, <laughs> can have your backpack made fun of, and you, an ordinary an, person, <laughs> can be made fun of by an inanimate Robert the doll. Wonderful. And I have one more wonderful, here. Wonderful, wonderful child's play. Wonderful. Also, that one was from ghostandgravestones.com. Ooh, Robert old G&G? Honestly, the doll looks like a punk bitch. <laughs> you think we could beat it in a fight? Dude, I could take this doll easy beans, dude. That's one, all I need to hear. One, 
one right hook and that kid is sitting down taking a nap baby sounds like he's all talk <laughs> it's the most like bostonian like new englander like <laughs> <laughs> that's only that scary i could beat the Dude, shit. i could fucking kick that doll's ass so the final one it's creepy because we all know the bloody mary uh game right you go in you look in the mirror you say some you say the name bloody mary a few times and bing bang boom um so something similar happened and was the inspiration for what was to become candy man if you guys haven't seen candy man you say candy man in the mirror enough times and he shows up with his hook hand and guts you from i think it's five times I think it's five times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's five times. Uh, and he 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 slices you open with his hook. And the movie takes place in like a Chicago project, basically. The Cabrini Green Apartments is the place where the movie takes place. However, the inspiration for this comes from a murder that actually took place in Chicago. The murderer used an interesting avenue to enter the home. And at, like, Electric Avenue? Yeah, it was the Electric Avenue. <laughs> he rocked down there. From slowly from far away. <laughs> just down in the street there is violence. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an article from the 80s. Another 80s article. 87, 80s. Called They Came In Through the Bathroom Mirror. Yikes. A murder in the projects. Ruthie Mae McCoy was the type who talked to herself and cursed strangers on the street. When she called 9-11, when she called 911 to report that someone was coming through the medicine cabinet of her Abbott Holmes apartment, she might have been hallucinating, but she wasn't. Ruthie Mae McCoy was terrified. Someone has threatened my life, she gasped to the woman next to her. They were riding in a van that was taking them home from an outpatient psychiatric center at Mount Sinai Hospital. The woman urged McCoy to relay her fears to a staff member at the clinic, but McCoy said she didn't want to get anyone else involved. McCoy, 52, went through much of her life afraid. She was hounded by paranoia. Her fears weren't soothed by her dwelling place the last four years, a high-rise building in a near Southside Chicago Housing Authority project known as ABLA, where the van dropped her off this Wednesday afternoon, April 22nd. She lived in one of the seven 15-story brown Y-shaped towers named the Grace Abbott Home the most dangerous buildings in ABLA. At a quarter to nine this April evening, Chicago police got a 911 call from McCoy. I'm a resident at 1440 West 13th Street, and some people next door are totally tearing this down, you know, the frantic voice began. What are they doing, ma'am? asked the dispatcher. McCoy's response is unintelligible on tape, but apparently the dispatcher caught her gist. They want to break in, he asked. Yeah, they throwed the cabinet down. The dispatcher says, from where? McCoy says, I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach. Can reach my bathroom. They want to come through the bathroom. All right, ma'am. At what address? 1440 West 13th Street, apartment 1109. The elevator's working. All right. What's your name, ma'am? Ruth McCoy. All right. I'll send you the police. Four officers apparently arrived at McCoy's door around 10 minutes after 9. They pounded on the door, announced their presence, called for McCoy. No answer. They asked the dispatcher to call McCoy on her phone. We think somebody might be in there holding somebody, an officer told the dispatch over the radio. The officers listened to the phone ring and ring. 
There were two more officers downstairs, and they drove over to the project office, a block away on Loomis, to get the key to 1109, but the key didn't fit McCoy's lock. This left the officers wondering what to do. Should they break into the apartment? Talking with neighbors didn't help much, nobody answered across the hall, and the apartment next door was vacant. The neighbors in the apartment down the hall said no, and that they hadn't heard or seen a thing. Other neighbors on the floor said an elderly woman lived in 1109. They say that she always answers her door, one of the officers told the dispatcher in a hesitant voice, and there's no answer. So I don't know if maybe she answered to the wrong person or what. So they try to get the key again, but they can't. So they basically give up. Nice. The f- Yeah, exactly, right? Like, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, Classic. The following evening... Police get a call from Deborah Lastly on an 11th floor neighbor of McCoy's. Lastly said McCoy normally stopped by her apartment on her way out of the building every morning and upon her return in the afternoon. But this day she hadn't stopped by at all. Lastly had seen police at McCoy's door the night before and was worried. About half a dozen police officers and four or five CHA security guards arrived on the scene. Their knocks and calls from McCoy went unanswered. Oh yeah, this isn't so this is this part is like insane. Their knocks and calls from McCoy went unanswered. Most of the police officers thought they ought to break the door down, neighbors say, but the security guards discouraged them. One of them raised the possibility of the tenant suing if the police broke in. And if you bust down the door, the security guards told the police officers, you will have to get someone up here to secure it. The police officers shrugged and left. Excellent. <laughs> Absolutely excellent. The next day, Lastly notified the project office of her concerns. At about 1 p.m., a project official arrived at McCoy's door with a carpenter who drilled through the lock. So they're like, we're still not going to break it down. We're going to get a carpenter to do it. They found McCoy in the bedroom, lying on her side in a pool of blood, a hand over her chest, one shoe on and one off. Papers, magazines, and coins were strewn around her on the floor. When police later turned McCoy slightly, the faint smell of rotting flesh rose through the apartment. Oh. So she had been shot four times, probably with a gun of medium caliber, the medical examiner who performed the autopsy, Dr. Yupol Choi, told me. One bullet passed through her left shoulder, another passed through her left thigh, a third entering the right side of her abdomen, pierced the liver, and exited the left side of the abdomen, and the fourth and fatal bullet passed right through her right upper arm, then entered her chest and severed the pulmonary vein. The cause of death was internal bleeding. So... The, the thought of a person coming through your mirror to kill you. Which is like widely, I feel like, used. Like. Yes, definitely widely used. And this is uh, like the inspiration for Candyman was this article. And they, I mean, you can see in the film, they use a lot of the details here of like the Chicago like project homes where it takes place. Yeah. Obviously the use of the mirror. I believe her, the actual name of the victim is used in the movie also. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly. Probably the cops not giving a shit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. So that was the inspiration for Candyman. Robert the Doll. Inspiration for Chucky. And a weird amount of Southeast Asian males dying in their sleep was the inspiration for, uh, for old, old Frankie Pants. Frankie? Freddy Krueger? Frankie? Freddy Krueger? I don't know. Frankie Pants. Cranky Frankie. Uh, Gee Willikers, that was scary. (laughs) And I hope you all Gee Willikered as well. Because 
I feel like all those characters are so like widely recognizable now. It's like crazy to right. think that they come from like these real new stories that people haven't heard of at all. Yeah. Right. And I, I chose the, there's like a whole list here of a bunch of them, but some of them are like, it's like Amityville horror. And it's like, well, that's because like, that's, that's like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's, it's just that retelling just what happened. Event. <laughs> yeah. But like these ones where you have these like larger than life, supernatural beings, it's like crazy to think that those were based off of reality. Yeah. So there's, there's more out there. You guys can look into it. Um, but those are the three I wanted to bring today. And I think it's pretty cool. We hope you do too. And boy, do we hope you think it's cool too. Um, make sure to check out the merch. Hit merch. up the Patreon. We're about to drop some nice video content for Ooh, you guys. So if you want to see our faces, if you want to join the OnlyFans and see our faces, uh, you can do it. Especially it's just us having a bad time. It's us really struggling through heat um, while answering some horror trivia, horror and true crime trivia questions. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. We'll be posting on our social media about it. Speaking of, you can find us on Twitter at scones. And um, um, <laughs> macabre pod. Yes, you got it. MM Macabre Pod on Twitter, Monday Morning Macabre on Instagram, and check out MondayMorningMacabre.com for all the links you could ever desire. And I hope you guys have a super good Monday. I hope your Monday slaps. (laughs) Bye. Bye.